Welcome to Ted In Your Head, the podcast where we grab a hold of our minds and ask, what's happening here? Where we answer the question, what can I do with this? And where we seek to powerfully decide, this is what I want to create. This is your host, Ted Moreno. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, a success performance coach, and a fellow explorer of what is possible. Come on, let's check it out. Greetings and welcome to the Ted in the Head podcast. This is another interview in my interview series. And my guest today is Nina Impala. Nina is a certified grief counselor through the American Academy of Bereavement. She combines her intuitive abilities with professional education in the end-of-life field. For well over 20 years, Nina has worked passionately in the hospice field, using her gifts visiting the dying and educating families. Nina works with families that have lost loved ones through accidents and suicide as well. She holds a BA in Human Services. She's a graduate of the Mueller College of Holistic Studies. She's a Reiki master and the author of Dearly Departed, What I Learned About Living from the Dying, which is available on Amazon.com. I also want to mention that Nina speaks on the importance of working through losses of all kinds. She's passionate about bringing education to her community about the transition from this life, a subject that has been sorely neglected in our society. Her desire is to help people of all ages feel at peace with themselves, regardless of whether the transition process is loss of a loved one, a pet, a relationship, or a job. Nina, welcome, and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Ted. I'm happy to be here. Great. So how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Excellent. All right. Well, um, so I have some questions for you. Uh, What you do, I think, is very interesting. And uh, I've been on your website, of course, and we've met uh, at least one time previously. So I understand that mainly what you do is you do work as a grief counselor. So what do you do as a grief counselor? Okay, well, let me back up a little bit to the way I got started as being a grief counselor. Okay. I was a massage therapist for many, many years, about 17 years, and What I realized when I put people on my table is that there was a beautiful healing coming through. And I realized that a lot of people carry a lot of sadness in their bodies. And working through that, not just tucking it away during a massage, but really being cognizant of it is something that is really important in life. And uh, I started looking into Reiki, and Reiki led me to grief counseling. Okay, so, um, yeah, how does one decide to be a grief counselor? I mean, I heard you when you say Reiki led you into grief counseling, but I imagine Reiki could have led you into, you know, just doing Reiki, energy healing. So what what made you decide to become a grief counselor? You're absolutely right about that. Well, I volunteered for hospice for 10 years, and I had a calling for it. I would even have to say that it's... It was very natural for me. I never got sad about it. I actually felt very elated when I was around people that was dying. And I know that sounds strange, but I felt like I was being led into it and that I had a gift in helping people understand and realize that it's okay to grieve and that people die. And this is a part of life and bringing light and even perhaps I would say a holiness to it that you're standing on sacred ground when you're with somebody that was dying. 
You know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about that because I remember, I think I was five or six, and I asked my mom, am I going to die? And she was just right on and said, yes, <laughs> you're going to die. And I remember <laughs> crying and crying, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. And, you know, she was very comforting and very, you know, she said, you know, don't, you know, it's nothing you need to worry about, you know, everybody's going to die. And, you know, ever since that time, never really had a problem talking about death or thinking about death. And so what you said is so profound because I think as, as long as we avoid that subject and avoid talking about it, um, then we avoid a very important part of life, I think. You're right. A lot of people shy away from it. And what I see basically even as early as this week, people just say, you know, I just lost my loved one or I just lost my sister. And then they just jump to the next thing and like, wait a minute back up. <laughs> you just lost your sister. How long ago was that? It was a couple months ago. Well, how are you doing? I'm keeping myself busy. That's the common phrase I always hear. People don't go within, they go outside of their body. And when that happens, grief doesn't get to move. Wow. And I think that some people feel ashamed that they feel sad or that they're grieving or, you know, they're not just moving, like after the funeral, they're not just ready to move forward, you know. I think people feel some programming like, oh, I need to be strong. Can you address that? Yes, I can. It's really interesting. You know, if you look at what they call the five stages of grief, which are oh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, those five things. So if you think about those, those are all emotions that we have with other things in life. But when it comes to grief, what happens with that is that they don't go in any kind of order. So someone can be in denial for quite some time. Someone could be in anger for quite some time. Someone could go back and forth with bargaining. And people don't quite understand bargaining. But when you're in the first stages of grief, bargaining looks like bringing them back, even though we know that can't happen. There's something I could do to make it better. There's something I could do to make them come back. Our brains aren't fully equipped to accept death. That's what I find more than anything. I hope I didn't get off question here. But what I'm trying to make a point of is that people go in and out of all of these feelings. And like you said, there's shame involved in that. So I can't show it publicly, but it's happening inside of me all the time. And I'm confused and I'm angry. So I'm going to go to work. Mm, makes wow. sense? Yes, okay. absolutely. Makes perfect sense. Um, wow. So let's go back to the Reiki thing. I know that you are also a Reiki master. Can you give us a kind of a short, simple explanation about what is Reiki? So Reiki is energy healing. That sounds kind of funny to people sometimes, but everything in our world is energy. That could be another show, but I'm going to give the simple explanation here. So when you come in for a Reiki healing, it's basically my hands are on or above the body. You get into a very calm state, which I help people get to sometimes with the breath, sometimes with visioning, just many different things. I always have music going, but it activates peace and calming in the body. That peace and calming can last up to several days. And I usually tell my clients, you know, just take it easy when you leave here, like you've just had an incredible whole spa day. You're not going to run to Costco or Target, take yourself home, make some tea, curl up with a book. And when you do it this way, 
when you do it this way, what typically happens is it lasts longer and it'll last anywhere from two to three days after one hour of Reiki only. You know, I had Reiki the first time uh, I was living in Tucson, Arizona. I think I was uh, in my 30s and I really thought it was amazing. You know, I, I was really getting into all the kind of energy healing and even participated in some research at the University of Arizona uh, with a guy named... Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name. Eric somebody. What a name. Yeah, it's not, it's not coming to me. It, yeah, he, he's here in Los Angeles. He's a, oh, he's I a thought his name was Eric somebody. Sorry. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was funny. No, that's not his name. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name. But okay. anyway, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I think Reiki is really awesome. And I actually have, I'm a second degree Reiki person myself, although I... I do it on, you know, my kids and myself and yes. my wife occasionally. It's fantastic. Um, so how do you use Reiki in your grief counseling, Nina? Okay, so when people are going through grief, this is amazing. And I kind of discovered this on my own when years ago when I was working on somebody and uh, they started to cry. And then they opened up to me and told me that their father had just died. So I realized that after she was able to get out those words... And with the combination of the Reiki, the heart began to relax. So if you just, anybody listening right now, when you bring a thought into your head, maybe it's um, of a happy memory, and you close your eyes and you think of something that really makes you feel good and you bring all the senses in with that, the heart begins to relax. Now, the opposite of that, if you think about the death of your loved one and maybe what happened that day or what you saw in the hospital or all of the different feelings that came in, the heart contracts. It gets really tight. You can't breathe. You get anxiety attacks. Your heart starts beating, <clears throat> excuse me, very, very hard. So with Reiki, simply placing the hands on the heart, bringing in a happy memory, and getting the body to a state of relaxation, every muscle, every bone begins to just kind of melt. And at that point, healing can come into the body. And the most important thing is that no matter how bad something feels or is, you know you're going to be okay. So you're telling me that the actual heart muscle, we're not talking like heart energy, you're, we're talking about the heart muscle Correct. actually relaxes or constricts depending on what somebody feels. And thinks. Wow. So there's a tape that plays in most people's heads. Whatever happened at the time of death, I call it, it's a loop. So if you experienced your loved one passing away in the hospital and you weren't happy with what the doctor said, or they passed away at home and you experienced weird breathing. With my own mother, the vision that I had was always her wanting her she wanted to stay very independent, and she wanted to be able to walk down the hallway into the bedroom with a walker. This was a day before she died. That vision of seeing her so weak and feeble, very strong Italian mother, it stayed with me for years. It's a loop in the brain. And what happens with that, even if I think about it now, my heart will just tense up just a little bit, nothing mm. like it used to be. But... The thoughts in our mind can be very real when it comes to death, Ted. Yeah, that is really an interesting story. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around everything that you've said, Sorry. which is why I always go back and listen to my podcast because there's just, right now I don't have time to sit and ponder. No, I know. It could be a lot. It can yeah. be a lot to think about. Death is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
it must be very hard to work with people suffering a loss. I remember um, I was considering as a hypnotherapist working with people that are grieving. And then I, I mentioned this to my father and he said, he said, why in the hell would you want to do that? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I don't think I want to, but and I'm not cut out for that, I don't think. But how obviously you are. So how do you manage working with people that are just sad and grieving? And Again, it's exciting for me, even as I talk about it now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just something for me that I can walk into a room. Can I tell you a quick story? Absolutely. Okay, so I had a client once, and the um, this actually story is on my website, which we'll give at the end of the show. I was doing a similar uh, radio broadcast in Vegas, and somebody knew that I was going to Vegas, and they called me up and said, can you go help my friend? Her brother is dying of cancer. The man had a massive tumor on his neck. It was very large, and he was really afraid of... Uh, choking to death. I knew that wasn't going to happen just for a lot of different reasons. So anyways, I stopped by there and I ended up helping the daughter more than the brother that was passing away. He was out in the backyard sitting by the pool with a brand new puppy. I'll never forget it. And when I walked into the house, she was panicked about how this was going to go, what it was going to look like, how am I going to do this? My husband doesn't understand. I'm so upset about this. And what I did was I turned the whole thing around and had her look out a completely different window. And that window that she needed to look out was not one of fear and how is this going to go. It was more of you're so fortunate to be able to be here and be the person that's going to be with your brother when he passes away. He's chosen you. Mm. And I do believe certain people are chosen at the time of death and who they're going to be with. You ever heard the story of when somebody passes away and when somebody leaves the room, that person passes away? Yes. And then there's other times where the person will be around. There's a beautiful connection and there's all this other stuff going on. Those people, I believe, are chosen. And I also believe that we, when people are passing away, and this is a very comforting thing for a lot of people, is that it gives you, it gives the dying person a different set of eyes and hearing that we don't get if we're not passing away. I actually think that that is for comfort. You know, that God, the universe, whatever you believe in is going to say, oh, well, let me show you what's going to happen. Those things make sense to me, and I've seen it happen. I've helped hundreds of people pass away, and it's something that I've witnessed. So with this man, uh, what actually happened was she called me, um, the day after she died, she said he was sitting up when he died because he was afraid of laying down from the tumor. And what happened is he looked at her. He let her know it's time, looked up, smiled, closed his eyes, and passed away. Wow. Peace for the daughter, peace for the sister, and peace for the brother. Mm. All because we just made it look more beautiful than scary and fearful. Mm, right. Yeah, and, and why should we be afraid, I mean, of something that is inevitable and is just a, a, a passage of sorts to and, whatever is next, assuming that there is something. And do you see it, what a gift it is for me to walk into a home and be able to do this? Yes, absolutely. Wow, yeah. that's profound. Uh, is there any wisdom that you can offer to someone that's grieving? Yes. So... Just know 
that, number one, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. If you lost your mother, your brother and your sisters are gonna grieve completely different than you. So if your grief doesn't look like them, maybe you shut yourself in the house for a month and decide that you just can't go out and they end up going to the gym every day, that's the way they grieve and this is the way you're grieving. Be cognizant of what you're feeling. Reach out to somebody that can help you. You're not alone. And remember that grief needs to move. I equate this to a stream. If a stream, the water's not moving in a stream and it gets blocked, what happens? It grows stuff, gets bugs. Gets stagnant. Gets stagnant, diseased, fungus starts growing and all kinds of bad stuff starts happening to that water. So you wanna allow it to move and that can happen in many different ways and there's help out there and it should be looked at. Okay. Okay, wow. Um, okay, let me get back into <laughs> being a podcast guy, you know, because I'm, you know, what you, what, the things you are saying are they're so incredibly profound, you know, and these are the kind of conversations I think that need to take place a lot more often between uh, people and, and people that have lost others, loved ones, and, and people that are getting ready to lose someone. I can see how what you do can be so healing and um, so, and really so positive uh, in people's lives. So, Nina, how can people find out more about you? Okay, so there's uh, my website, which is tutoringforthespirit.com, just like it sounds. Tutoring, like tutoring somebody in math or something like that. Yes, right? and no number four, F-O-R, thespirit.com. They can find me there. They can email me there. Um, my phone number is there. Um, and... My book is on Amazon.com, and I work out of Sierra Madre at a beautiful office called Vibrant Living Wellness Center. Yes, uh, Heidi Hoffman, uh, who owns that wellness center, she's been featured on my podcast previously. So you're doing Reiki and grief counseling there. I do Reiki and grief counseling there combined. And um, on their website, I am offering a workshop on February 16th. Um, it's only $20, and it's a self-love workshop. And uh, it's just talking about matters of your own heart. Talking about matters of your own heart, February 16th. Okay. And so I will definitely promote that for you. I'll put that on my Facebook page. Are, do you, uh, are you available on social media in case people want to get a more, little bit more information? Do you have any social media outlets? They can look point? me up at Nina Impala on uh, Facebook. Okay. okay. Excellent. Well, is there anything else uh, that you, you want to add? We have a, a couple of minutes left. Well, I think pretty much my role here um, on this earth is helping people get through the big stuff. Mm. Uh, one of the other things that I will say, if people are not ready for Reiki or people are not ready for a lot of the things I've talked about on here, um, but they know somebody that needs help, or they are doing any, they're wondering about putting somebody on hospice, I'm also available for consultations if they just want to call, ask questions. Awesome. And they can get your phone number off of your website. And yeah, one other thing that I'm doing right now at Vibrant Living is if you want to just experience Reiki, call me up 15 minutes for free. Wow. So you can see what that's like. I highly encourage everyone, if you're in the, in the Sierra Madre Pasadena, Los Angeles area, to check that out. I think Reiki is amazing. 
Well, Nina, thank you so much. What a privilege to have you on my podcast. I so appreciate you coming down to the uh, South Pasadena studios to record this. And uh, I look forward to um, staying in touch. And uh, my listeners out there, if anybody has any questions, you can certainly contact Nina or you can contact me on my website, tedmoreno.com. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening. And uh, thank you to Nina Impala. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ted In Your Head. This podcast has absolutely nothing to do with TED Talks, TEDx, or any other TED except me, Ted A. Moreno. Thanks to Dimitri Rosti for his help in producing this podcast. For more information about me and what I do, you can go to my website at tedmoreno.com. Please connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Twitter. And finally, remember what T.S. Eliot said, We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time.